Hey guys, Chad here. Welcome to another edition of the Chad Shipley Show, where I bring you interesting, insightful, and entertaining content or people. And my guest today needs no introduction because he's just the man, the amazing Andrew Wade. I had him on the show before. I called him the health and wellness prodigy because he is that. He is super knowledgeable. He is extremely intelligent. But more than that, he has a superpower, a talent for being able to take a complex topic, deconstruct it, and then articulate it back to you in a way that makes it very easy to understand. And we jump into some high-value content right off the bat. Rapid weight loss. Is it possible? Is it good? How should you be thinking about it? I know that this this is a topic that's always on people's mind. And then from there, we dive into some really valuable information. I, I honestly believe that having Andrew available like this through a podcast to hear the way that he thinks about things and the way that he explains things, it's such a powerful resource. He is super busy. I can't thank him enough for taking the time to come and do this. And in all reality, we don't have time. We don't all have the opportunity or the time to sit in front of someone like Andrew very often and hear everything that he has to offer. So this is a super powerful resource, and I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed being with Andrew and spending time with him. I want to talk very quickly about some of the things that Andrew's doing because it, towards the end of the episode, we, we start to talk about the building of his empire, and, and it was really awesome for me to sit there and to hear the way that he's thinking about what everything he's doing will eventually become because it's already amazing. He already has six different locations for case-specific nutrition, which is a bunch of dietitians doing what they do best, helping people live better lives. He has a wellness center as a part of one of those where he has a guy named Jeremiah who is teaching the fitness side. He has an app called Rate My Day. We talk a little bit about that. It's a powerful tool. He has a book on the nutrition side of running, which is really powerful. I know a lot of people are trying to run their first 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, or they're trying to come back and run it again because they spent some time in life, got away from it, and they're trying to come back. And what do they do? They, they concentrate on the fitness side. So they start running so many miles, so many days for so long, but they're not thinking about it, how important the nutrition side is. So that's a great book and resource for that. He has his own podcast, CSN3M. That stands for Case-Specific Nutrition. The three M's stand for Mentoring, Mindsets, and Mythbusting, another powerful and awesome tool. He has a meal prep delivery service that was just launched. It's called Case-Specific Meal Prep. It is amazing. I've had probably 20 of his meals over the last week and a half. A guy named Vince, Vince, Awesome guy. I had a chance to meet him. He is running the operation side of case-specific meal prep. Him and Andrew partnered up with another guy named Isaac. Isaac is the chef. So Vince runs all of the operations. Andrew and his team of dietitians are designing the meals to give you a properly balanced meal, protein, carbs, fats. The chef is then taking all of the ingredients from all of the meal orders and building very fresh meals that Vince and his team are then delivering right to your doorstep. It is super powerful. I actually ordered a cooler just so I can put a whole bunch of these meals in the cooler at my fitness center and our guests can have them on their way out after a workout. It, is, it cannot be a better resource for us. It's just amazing what this guy is doing. He's got so much going on. It was so much fun being with him. I think we're going to do another one of these because there are just hours and hours and hours of topics that we could go through and dig into and I want to pull out as much as I can from Andrew so that we put it in front of you guys and give you super valuable content. For now, this is about a 45-minute episode, and we talk a lot about fat diets, the fads, the the uh, caloric deficits, massive weight loss, is it healthy, we talk about carbs, are they bad, all kinds of really important pieces of information for us all 
to know and to understand because when we don't, we get sucked into really bad programs due to very good marketing advertising and those end up destroying our body. So please take the time to listen to this episode, consume and understand as much as you possibly can, and then try to apply anything and everything that you can back into your life. Without further ado, the amazing Andrew Wade. And we're live. Andrew, welcome back, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. The health and wellness prodigy. <laughs> Does anyone else call you that now? I, I think about a thousand or two thousand people. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> you you stroked my ego, and I think you were the last. But that's yeah, okay. I appreciate it. It's true, man. I mean, some of that's like you know a little bit of the marketing, but at the same time, like I feel <laughs> very comfortable calling you that because I try to tell you know even now with my members that you were coming on the podcast, I try to tell everyone I can like you have to listen to this, like the valuable information that's coming out of this guy. It's just insane, especially for an hour to like just get a dose of health and wellness and nutrition content. <laughs> but I appreciate you stopping by, man. Yeah, we did a seven thirty workout, some wild music, lifting weights. Yeah, love the space, man. It's an awesome facility. Got a good workout in. You're doing some wonderful things over here. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we. Uh, it's been a. It's been a, a while in the making, but now we got some. We got some members that are super interested about some of these topics. So hey, pick my brain. Yeah, That's what I'm exactly. here for. Exactly. Awesome. So. I want to start right off the bat with rapid weight loss because this is a topic that's coming up a lot for me in my world. Yeah. And it's because, you know, we, we hear a lot from members that they, they've been in a program or they want a program that's going to help them lose 20, 30 pounds in six week program, like a boot camp kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And they see ads out there. There's a lot of multi-level marketing companies that, you know, and, and you see it, there's women that are posting pictures three mm-hmm. weeks, four weeks, they're down a lot of weight. My question is, for someone that is a little bit overweight, we'll just say 35 to 40 year old woman, maybe has 20 to 30 pounds to lose. Is it possible for her to do that in a six week time frame? And if so, is that healthy or what should they be thinking about? Yeah, possible and healthy are definitely the two key words in that. Is it possible? Yes, absolutely it is. For everybody, no, not necessarily. Is it healthy? Never. <laughs> um, and so something to consider, something to know, and the reason why that I, I gave that sort of order of operation is your metabolism is not a set rate. Um, your metabolism is actually your net burn. So you and I are sitting here, heart beating, brain thinking, nerves functioning, cells dividing, liver processing, kidneys working. We are living beings. And that is why we're sitting in a room that's 70 degrees and we're 98.6. We have a heat output, right? Right. That heat output is our caloric expense. Calories is a measure of heat output. Um, And then a way to think about it is our calorie burn is our fire. And how does a fire burn with firewood? What is firewood? Food. And so, when you do the math on how many calories someone expends, that is the theoretical amount they would expend, assuming they're being fed the amount that they need. Right. The moment you feed them less, they burn less, slightly. The farther you get from that calculated burn, the faster their body metabolically adjusts. Right. And most people's metabolisms can shift 50% downward, which means they can cut their calorie burn in half. And so if you do a big, fast crash diet, yes, you will likely drop some pounds, um, particularly if it's your first time doing it because your body is still sensitive. But then what will happen 
is your metabolism will slow. And if you don't do an appropriate job of reverse dieting and refeeding your body and then stabilizing your body, you will almost guaranteed nine out of 10 people will regain that weight over a two to three year span. And that's where you start to hear the yo-yo. So then they try and do it again and it's harder the next time because the body switches faster. It shuts down faster and it gets more and more adaptive. And then you fast forward to a woman that's 53 years old, has lost and gained weight 10 times in her life and she can't get that big crash. But what happens instead is she goes on a restrictive diet and her body just gets used to burning. So now all of a sudden she's maintaining her higher body weight while eating 1200 calories a day. And she feels stuck and her metabolism not working. And then she gets a thyroid test and it goes down the rabbit hole from there. And so I always tell people, you're never going to get away with robbing the calorie bank. If you're gonna, if you're gonna steal from it, you need to shortchange the drawer, right? Which one's going to last longer? Are you going to work there for 10 years, taking a quarter a day out, or are you going to just try and rob the bank and get arrested a week later? And so shortchanging the drawer, which is progressive, gradual body composition change is the way that most people need to do it. It's the way it should be done. And it's the way you're going to get your body to change. But then more importantly, live like the lighter you, which that's the big thing. I always ask people that want to lose it now is what's the goal? Is it to be lighter or is it to be healthier? Because most people don't understand the difference being lighter in not even in all cases, but in some cases is supposed to symbolize being healthier. Well, if you're doing unhealthy things to get there, have you completely sabotaged the actual reason? Your goal is to be healthier, clean up your food, eat with intention, move your body, support your muscles, challenge your body, let your body do things it hasn't done before. And the longer you do it, the more your body will change. Yeah. So just to summarize the way that I'm hearing this, right? Because I think this is the way a lot of people think about it. So say my resting metabolic rate is 2,000 calories a day, which is basically what my body is going to, on an average expend, right? Like I'm going to use that many calories in a day. And I think the theory is that if you do a calorie deficit, so if you're bringing in less than you're expending, that you'll lose weight, right? And so what a lot of these, you know, marketing companies have done is they've kind of like exploited that to say, okay, let's like, you know, give you 1500 calories a day. So now you're 500 deficit, right? Yep. And in theory, you should be losing weight. But what you're saying is, unless you do, I think you're talking about like the reverse taper protocol, right? Where you actually, you go down to that, but you have to very be very careful going down to that. And then you have to be very methodical and going back up to your original maintenance levels yep. to sustain a healthy way of life. And if you're not doing that very systematically and under like some direction and guidance, you're probably throwing your metabolism way out of whack and it's going to be much harder down the road to rebuild that in a way where you can actually now your body's functioning right and you're doing everything the right way. Right. Is yeah. that my thinking about yeah. that? Because I, I need to dumb I it down for myself a little bit. No, that's good. And I appreciate you, re, you know, re- reframing it well so that we can kind of think about it that way. And here's a here's the key concept. So that 500 calorie deficit you just mentioned. Yeah, that's not an insignificant deficit. That's a pound a week. Yeah. So that's not aggressive weight loss, right? right? Most people consider aggressive weight loss three to five pounds a week. Now, when you are somebody who has never paid attention to your health, you're, you eat garbage food, you drink a ton of sugary beverages, you don't exercise, your body's inflamed, and then you clean up your diet and you start moving, your body gets an inflammation flush, right? It'll drop. I had a guy that came into my office, he weighed 456 pounds, and in the first three weeks, he lost 84 pounds. 
Wow. Now, when we took his body fat, how much of that was fat loss? Three pounds of it. Yeah. The other 81 pounds was the level of water-based inflammation wow. in his gut, in his muscles, in his organs, in his interstitial cavity. He lost a bunch of water weight. Yeah. Did that make him healthier? Sure. Did that allow him to continue losing at that rate? Absolutely right. not. And that's where the fast weight loss screws with people is a lot of times fast weight loss is a symbol of someone being super ill, really sick and inflamed and they needed that water flush not everybody is at that point so if you get a perimenopausal female that walks in here that's 50 years old and weighs 160 pounds she's not going to get the 30 pound water flush because she doesn't have that she's not that unhealthy right, right? Um, and so the fast weight loss really does distract us and even in our examples we talk about the 500 calorie deficit can you imagine going from 2000 calories to 1500 calories that requires effort. That requires intention. That's not easy. For most people, that's going to drop one pound of fat per week and over the course of a month, maybe two to three pounds of water, which means right. that I, you'd expect someone to lose four to six pounds. So we're saying if you want to lose triple that in fat loss, you have to eat 500 calories a day. Wow. You've got to rob the bank. Yeah. That's not going to work. Your body doesn't operate well at the 500. Will it lose? Yeah, probably the first couple of weeks, but then you'll start to notice it slows. And the problem is the farther you get from your resting metabolic rate, the harder it is to reverse diet out of it. Yeah. And a lot of what I'm hearing is the misunderstanding around carbohydrates. Mm. So people immediately think that if they need to cut something out of their diet, it's got to be carbs. And I think that's because so much of the bad foods we eat are like carbs, right? If you eat a pizza, you're eating carbs. But good carbs are actually what is required to be your fuel source. It's actually going to give you the energy during the day. So can you just talk about that for a minute? Like, is it ever good to be on a low-carb, no-carb maybe diet? And who are the people that should be thinking about that versus it. everyone else? Yeah. So I'm first things first, you said it well, carbohydrates are not one thing. They're a spectrum, yeah. right? Blueberries are a carbohydrate. Are blueberries causing the epidemic in obesity in the United States? No, probably right. not. Oatmeal is a carbohydrate. Sweet potatoes are a carbohydrate. Broccoli is a carbohydrate. Yeah. You get the point, right? Carbohydrates are not one thing. Um, there are slow digesting carbohydrates, your fruits, your vegetables, your hearty, slow digesting, minimally processed things. Those affect your body and they digest very differently, which is why our body receives them well. They're extremely valuable to your mental energy. They're really valuable to your gut health. The, you know, everyone likes to talk about probiotics now. Um, your bacteria in your gut, which when you take a probiotic, you're just basically trying to supplement the population. Um, they eat the fiber from carbohydrate and that's what allows them to stay alive. Those bacteria are what give you a fullness signal. They're what give you cues to tell you to stop eating. They're what regulate your met metabolic rate. They're what help balance your serotonin levels to stabilize your mood. Carbohydrates are essential. Yeah. Which is why something like a carnivore diet, which is the no carb diet, right, is meant to be a temporary metabolic reset for a very niche population of people. Yeah. Um, to your, your point, you mentioned pizza. It's funny because is pizza high in carbs? Yes. Is it also very high in fat? Yes. Pasta. Yes, it's very high in carbs. Who sits there and eats a bowl of pasta? No, you eat it with a pesto sauce, fat content, marinara sauce, fat content, yeah. cheese, fat content, um, cookies, cakes, desserts, all of them high in carbs and sugar. Yes, also high in fat. 
the carbohydrate in them is what spikes the insulin. It's what spikes the um, dopamine in your brain that makes your like brain light up like fireworks and feel really good. But the bigger problem with all of those foods is that they are um, not filling. They're not a complete meal. They don't have the fiber content. They don't have the protein content that regulate your appetite, that feed your bacteria, that regulate your digestion. Right. And so here's a thought experiment with pizza. If you and I sat down together after a hard workout, hungry and ready to eat, and we went and ordered pizza together, I would eat a box easily. I'm a dietitian. <laughs> I'm 180 pounds. I'm 5'11", not a big guy. Right. I'd eat a box of pizza and not even blink. Yeah. My 21st birthday, I ate two boxes of pizza. Right. We don't need to talk about why. Yeah. But <laughs> point is, pizza is not filling. And I have a big appetite. If I sit down at that same meal and I eat a big grilled chicken salad, and then have pizza with it, I'll eat two slices. Right. What did I do there? Did I eliminate the carb? No. Uh, did I reduce the carb? Yes. But how did I reduce the carb? By balancing out the diet, right? Yeah. By increasing the protein, by adding the fiber content, by adding volume. And so you can all of a sudden hear how people take it to the next level, which is, well, what if I only ate the salad? Well, now you're also at an incomplete diet. Right. You've you've re, you've added in the fiber and the protein, which regulates appetite, and makes you feel full. But you've removed the energy. You've removed the part that gives you brain power, that gives your muscles fuel, that gives your body the nutrition it needs to actually thrive, not just get by, but thrive. And so, this diet culture of the low carb, cut the carb, all that. There are populations that it's valid for, but first we need to understand that carbohydrates aren't the problem. It's how we eat. That's yeah. really the bigger problem. And do a lot of people need to better manage their carbohydrate intake? Sure. But is going from a keto diet where you say all carbs are bad to then after three months on keto, going on a holiday with your family members and binge eating cake and cookies and pie and saying that carbs are bad, that dichotomous thinking screws you. Right. Right. It's, so that becomes the bigger struggle is, yeah, it's carbohydrates on a keto diet are the opposition of it, but that doesn't make them unhealthy. I encourage people to think about what if the carbohydrates you ate most of the time were intentional, slow digesting, or paired with food that also was a slow digesting meal, your body's gonna regulate that very well, your appetite's gonna regulate much better. Um, and then from there, the carbohydrates that we tend to, when we say carbs are bad, when we, when we make that blanket statement, we're all thinking of the same ones. Right. Let's realize that those are meant to be exception items. They're not meant to be a part of every meal or every day. And they're definitely not meant to be the only thing you eat at a meal. Yeah. Um, for those that go keto, that go carnivore, there's definitely reason and rationale to do so from a scientific perspective. Um, I have type one diabetics that instead of spending $600 a month on their insulin would rather do a controlled ketogenic diet that allows them not to use insulin. Yeah. Now, does that mean every type one diabetic should do that? No, not necessarily, but if that's the control you want to have in your lifestyle, there's absolutely rationale to do so. Right. Um, if I take a lab, you know, do a lab assay of metabolic hormones and your insulin level, your fasted insulin level, which is supposed to be under 20, I like to see it under nine, is 167, which says that when you're not eating, your insulin is in your bloodstream like a traffic jam in New York City, driving around looking for carbs to pick up would you potentially benefit from doing a restrictive or lower carb dietary approach? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of people have digestive issues and don't break down certain fiber types. So are there, you know, like a FODMAP diet, which the FODMAP diet is a, uh, it's a elimination diet that's meant to help with digestive issues like IBS and that kind of thing. It is almost identical to the paleo diet. And it's because there are certain carbohydrates that a lot of people just don't digest well. Right. Is it valuable to work with an expert to figure out what carbohydrates bother you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But to say that carbs are bad and to swear them off and then to, more importantly, criticize yourself and punish yourself for eating them, right. that's definitely misguided and short-term thinking. You're playing checkers in a game of chess. Yeah, and I think um, it's funny that you're bringing this up or talking about it this way because we're just going into our boot camp. Maddie, you know, she's doing... Hey, Maddie. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah, she actually told me she listened to one of these podcasts. I'm like, wow, that's impressive, man. I'm there we go. Listen. But now, uh, now we'll know if she heard this one. Right, yeah. So she's, you know, she's she's giving, we took a whole bunch of inputs, right? We have an intake form. And it was funny because on the intake form, I was prompting her to ask the question of like, what is your goal, weight loss or weight gain? And she kept saying, why? I thought we were trying to teach people education around maintenance levels understanding what their maintenance levels are and then eating whole foods at that level. Yeah. Not making it, you know, because what she said to me was, look, the a lot of the clients that I'm coaching, they they're coming off of crash diets. I can't put them on another calorie deficit. I need to work on getting them back to their maintenance level, which takes six weeks before I can even talk Minimum. to them about, you know, yeah, at least I think her program is actually twelve weeks. Yeah. Um she has like a three month program. And she's like, so I, you know, we we can't just be putting these people on these weight loss plans. If their goal is weight loss, then they need to do something else because our plan is going to be right around maintenance level, teaching them whole foods, eating whole foods, getting away from you know some of the refined. But at the same time, she's you know she put in one of the education videos, and I hear you talk about this a lot. Like if you're at a birthday party and you have a piece of cake, don't beat yourself up about that. Yeah. That's okay. You know the, the problem isn't the cake; it's how you treat yourself after you eat the cake. Yeah. If that piece of cake makes you feel so guilty that you then say, "Screw it, I've ruined myself. I'm a failure," and you start to use negative language like that, you're going to act as such for days. Yeah. Where one piece of cake is a blip on the radar. It's no different than if an alcoholic takes a shot of whiskey and then they clear out the, the liquor cabinet. Yeah. What was the was the one shot really the problem? No, it was the behavior ex post facto, right? Yeah. Like that's it was the it was the clearing out of the liquor cabinet that created the consequence. Yeah. So Yeah, so she's uh she's focusing a lot on this education and it's it's funny because a lot of the the members are like they're coming back to me. I had a girl yesterday, she's like she's five hundred she put me at five hundred more calories than I've ever eaten in my life, you know. And but at the same time she's like, But now that I think about it, every time I've tried to do those calorie deficits, I'll have binge days or then I just give up and I start. So I think, you know, a lot of what we're trying to educate on, and I think you're, well, I know you're a huge proponent of this as well, is more whole foods eating, getting to a healthy diet, understanding what your true maintenance level is. And then calling that your base. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and living more of a healthy lifestyle, which, you know, when you start to pair that with routine exercise and fitness, you, you might lose some weight, but it more importantly, you're actually getting your body back to a healthy state yeah. from a very deconditioned state from both a fitness and nutrition perspective yeah. is the way that I kind of think about it. I agree. It. And I would, and I say that it would, you know, it begs the question, and this is worth asking and thinking through is when you ask that question, what is the goal, weight loss or weight gain? Are you distracting them from the actual goal of right. being here? Yeah. Because to be fair, we just went through a routine where we lifted heavy weights. We did isometric holds with mountain climbers. We pulled and pushed sleds. 
the typical person that got up from their couch and came in here, right. the first thing that's going to happen to them is they're going to build muscle. Right. And so if we're sitting here saying, hey, weight loss is the goal, yeah. most exercise does not support weight loss, right. which is the scale going downward. Yep. If you want to lose weight, if that is your sole purpose, is you just want to see a number change, recognizing that that in no way measures your health or anything, if you just want to watch that right. number go down, then restrict your calories to a set level that's sustainable, right? Take yep. that 500 and then walk every day as much as humanly possible, drink upon a bunch of water and try and sleep eight or nine hours a day and you will lose weight. <laughs> now on the back end of that, what will change? Will you be able to do more things? Most people know. Right. Um, some people, sure. I mean, if you're 400 pounds and that's what you start doing, that's a great base. But most people that are gonna come in here they tell you that their goal is weight loss, right. but really what their goal is is body composition change. Yeah. They wanna go from feeling weak and soft and inflamed and sore yep. to feeling lean and strong and balanced and powerful. Right. And that is not a scale go down exclusivity. Yep. That is a body fat trend downward muscle mass trend upward, yep. inflammation trend downward, but acute inflammation from exercise trend upward, it's an exchange. Right. And so using the scale to measure that is ludicrous. It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. Um, instead, you should be focusing on fueling improvements, measures of fitness, getting right. better, being able to do the boot camp better, yeah. consistency of eating, which is why I use my Rate My Day mobile app, right? That right. green, yellow, red. Yeah. How often are you having your normal base plan day or a green day? How often are you adding a bowl of cereal at nine at night as a yellow day? How often are you having your fun you know, day with your mango white claws and your two cookies and a cupcake with your friends? Right. If we're doing a five one one, your body is going to change profoundly. If yeah. you're hitting four yellow and three red a week, your body is probably going to remain inflamed. Will you still get stronger and faster? Sure. Will your fitness go up? Yeah. But are you optimized? Maybe not. Right. So, yeah. so I'll give you a plug because you said the app I use, I think you said the <sighs> app I use, it's actually your app. You created the app, rate my day. Oh, you're too kind. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's a really awesome, and I, I don't know if I told you this or not, but one of my all time mentors, I work with him at Pricewaterhouse. He was my coach, Pricewaterhouse, and he, he heard your podcast and he downloaded your app and he like two days later he emails me and he's like, this thing is genius because of the psychological components to it, right? Like it's red, yellow, green every day and you log once a day and say, how did you do? Overall, yeah. from a nutrition perspective, did you do red, which was, you had an off day, yellow, you did semi good, green, right? And then uh, over the course of the month, when you see a lot of green, you know that you worked hard, right? You're aware um, of your consistency, which yeah. is what most of us struggle with. Right, and it's super easy to use, it's a free app, so, Definitely go check that out. But I want to come back really quickly because what you just said is exactly what has happened. So, you know, with our members, a lot of them have come to me and said, I've actually put on weight working out here, right? And it's like, they think it's a problem. And, I, and then I'll ask them questions like, well, how do you feel? I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. How do, well, you know, like, what do you feel like looks wise? Like, do you feel What's like, the you know, right? Yeah. And they, they feel like they look better than they've ever felt, mm -hmm. right? So, we actually, we built a lot of baseline tests and we did a lot of measurements because we want people to be able to track to those kind of goals versus the goal of weight loss. Yeah. But it's funny because, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, geez, I'm, I'm going to eat all of these more calories, probably going to put on weight during the boot camp. But, you know, I think realistically, if they're eating whole foods and they're getting to that maintenance level, they're putting their body in a much better position from a both nutrition and fitness perspective yeah. because now you have the right 
health to be yep. able to, you know, you're getting from a deconditioned state, both nutrition wise, fitness wise, back into a conditioned state. And so you can live a healthy lifestyle. And a lot of this is me, you know, I, I talk a lot of, I mean, me learning as well, right? Like a lot Absolutely. of people look at me as and you say, should, right? yeah. And you know, I get a lot like, why did you open up a fitness studio? You're not a trainer. You're not. And you know, I don't know if you ever read the ebook. Um, there's a book on, uh, this guy, he consults with like hundreds, thousands of small businesses and he wrote a book called the e-myth and it's the entrepreneurial myth it's why most small businesses fail okay and the big reason in a lot of cases is that the technician became the entrepreneur so a hairstylist opens up a hair salon a electrician opens up an electrician business you yep. know i and an instructor opens up and it's not to say that that can't be done but those are very different roles which i want to get into with you a little bit because you were the technician and you're also an amazing entrepreneur and you have a very strategic mind, but he talks a lot about in the book, there's a technician, there's the manager, and then there's the entrepreneur. Yep. Those are three very different mindsets. Yeah. And for a while, you have to be all three when you're opening up a business. Correct. But if you don't transition from technician to entrepreneur, that you end up like, you, you know, you might end up failing. So for me, my mind is so around marketing and sales and, you know, like trying to figure out how to build the right community, build the relationships. And then you put technicians in place like Maddie, who are super good at fitness. And, yeah. you know, she's she's a nutrition coach. You're a registered dietitian. There's a huge difference. I don't want to create like a, a glimpse that there's like the a similarity there. But she can do, you know, things with our clients and help us in nutrition. Absolutely. Coaching. And then there's when there's the ones that get hormonal. We tell them to go right to you. Come see us. And that's no, that's, and Maddie, Maddie's obviously I know Maddie professionally. Right. And I think she's great at what she does. And I also think that she knows her line, yeah. which that's oh, for sure. We're going to yeah. work amongst a professional group. 100%. Knowing our expertise. I mean, at the end of the day, most people don't know. I have a master's in human performance. So I technically can write workout programming. I have a master's in that. I took all the anatomy, all the physiology, everything that I need to do so that I could write the programs Maddie does. Right. I choose not to because I'd rather refer them to her because that's what she does 24-7. Right. Right. So it's, well, the yeah. scary thing is that technically, and I want to bring this up because I don't think a lot of people know this, you actually do not. So when I was going through trying to figure out the certifications to open a gym, there's actually none. You do not have to be a qualified. No. You don't have to have There's any no kind of standardization. Right. Yeah. That's the biggest criticism. When people ask why personal training isn't covered through insurance, that's why. Yeah, right. A dietitian, you could be a personal trainer and not even have a certification. Yeah. I mean, and that's where, like, you know, you could call yourself a nutritionist yeah. and bill people to make meal plans, but you couldn't bill insurance and it's because a nutritionist means nothing. Right. A registered dietitian means undergraduate, yeah, 2000 right. hour residency, <laughs> master's right. degree. It's yep. a minimum six year education, yeah. which allows us to be standardized. And does that mean that all registered dietitians are amazing? No, but it's at least a baseline standard. And that's with training. One of the biggest concerns is, okay, what would be the training certs that would be most essential? But the problem is there's so many different exercise types, Right. different exercise certs. If you're a weightlifter, coach that's not going to set you up to do metabolic conditioning that doesn't train you in crossfit that doesn't train you in cardiovascular training and so it is it's a it's a extremely strange world and education plays a role but experience does but one of the things i want to double back to is what you you were saying about how the technician running the business can be a problem and something to think about is when you go from being a $100,000 business to a million dollar business to a $10 million business, the biggest difference are what I'd call the introduction of the C level, which means you go from having a business owner to a CEO, a CMO, and a COO. Right. And so something to consider 
is your COO is the operations person. They're the one that's managing the systems yep. and then regulating the systems. You're not a COO. Right. And it's because your business is a gym and the systems and the routines and the workouts, you frankly don't have any business walking in that world. Right, they're operations. Yep. You're the CMO yeah. and the CEO. Now, when this business grows, you might hire out a CEO or a CMO, right. depending on your skill set. Do you become the marketing guru that is that role or do you become the visionary, which is the CEO role? Right. And so um, the technician, manager, entrepreneur, Darren Hardy talks about it as technician, manager, visionary. Okay. And so something to consider is you definitely need to know your place. And so what happens is as your business grows, if you're somebody like me where I was not always the entrepreneur, initially I was just a private practice dietitian. Right. Now, because I started the business and I was in an industry that wasn't well paved, did it make me somewhat entrepreneurial? Sure. But I was 100% technician right. doing my marketing of my technique technical work, right. um, doing the vision of my technical work. But as my business has grown, I've had to decide what is my role going to be. Yeah. If I'm going to have a, right now we have six offices, there's 20 people that work within the case-specific nutrition brand. If I'm going to have that, am I going to appoint a CEO to run that? Am I going to appoint a manager to run that? Am I go or am I going to continue to just be a dietitian, or am I going to switch? And so, a way to think about it is Darren Hardy promotes it as it's kind of like three knobs that you turn. And so you go from being 100% technician. The goal is to be 10% technician at some right. point, yep. so that you're still in tune with your craft. Um, I am right now 50% CEO or visionary, and 50% technician. And then I have hired a manager. Yeah. And the good news as well is a part of my management is I don't employ minimum wage employees that do systematic monotonous tasks. I employ highly trained professionals that have autonomy and are independent workers. And so I don't have to manage them as much as I need to mentor them, right. which goes into my CEO visionary work of my role as the CEO. The goal of case specific nutrition is to help every individual redefine their definition of health. And I can either do that by working with them one-on-one, -on -one, developing resources like my podcast, my mobile app, my online course, all my other stuff that allows me to engage people separate from myself, right. or I can mentor others to do it. So me opening licensed franchises, me hiring dietitians, me mentoring dietitians nationally, that is all me doing visionary work, which is how I've been able to be a visionary and a manager while also still being a technician. And I have to every week and every month, I take time to look at that and ask myself the hard question. Am I doing enough to support that vision? Am I actually moving myself along that spectrum? And it's funny because in the last two years, a lot of people have noticed the businesses seem to explode. And that's because the first three, four years of the business, it was me counseling 66 hours a week and then me spending 10 hours a week at night building other business models. Right. Once those business models were built, I had no choice but to start to include them in my week, which means counseling went from 66 to 60 to 40, you know, to 50-ish right now, probably 45, 50. And then all of those hours I've gained back have gone into the CEO role. Yeah. So it's not an easy process, but I've been learning it. And like you, I don't claim to be the expert on it, but I'm living it in real time and I'm definitely doing everything I can to get better at it. Yeah, my problem is that I was never really the technician or 
a great entrepreneur, so I'm trying to learn both at the same time. Yep. But you know, it's uh, for me, it's a lot of fun because I, you know, I've talked about this before. I was spending eight to ten hours a day in corporate America solving someone else's problem. You know, like I, yep. I don't care about moving data centers. <laughs> yeah. Like that, it just got to a point in my life where you know it was always a means to an end. I wanted benefits. I wanted you know the bonus check. I wanted the you know the weekly salary. Yeah, the little carrots whatever, that they right? dangle yeah. in front of you. And the things that make you feel safe, even though in an economy like this with 20 million people unemployed, you realize that that's really not the definition of safety. Yeah. Like we like exactly. we like to think. Yeah. Um, but to be fair to you, man, when you think about it. You know, the reason that every major business that currently exists started off with a partnership of some kind right. is because there was usually the technician yeah. and then there was the visionary or the business person, right? right? Even Apple, right? The glorified yeah. big deal. <laughs> Everyone knows who Steve's job, Steve Jobs was, yeah. but he wasn't the technician. Right. Steve Wozniak right. is, yep. right? Or was. Yeah. Um, and you know, that combo, Steve Wozniak was the COO and the CTO ran the technical and operating aspect. Right. And then Steve Jobs was the marketing and the operate or the marketing and the, and the vision. Yep. And so usually good businesses don't have just one person. And so when a business starts with just one, yep. that's great. That's not an entrepreneurial venture yet. That is really just a business owner. And when people, when I was just me, like I was just a dietitian counseling and they'd be like, you're an entrepreneur. I'd be like, I'm an aspiring entrepreneur right now. I'm just a business owner right now. Do I consider myself an entrepreneur? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. I do. And I had to do a lot of things to build into it. And so right now you're stepping into a role as a business owner, yeah. which means you're learning the technical aspects. You're learning the operations. You're doing the marketing. You're doing the vision. Right. You are currently all the C levels, right? But as you develop, as this business goes from six figures to seven figures to eight figures, right? And as the impact expands and all of that, you're going to realize what your areas of expertise are. Right. And you're going to watch a need for other people to surface. Yeah. And that's the hiring aspect. That's the expansive. And that's that CEO role of knowing the vision enough to recognize what is your vital function in that vision. Right. And then who are you lacking in that vision? You having Maddie gives you an obvious operations person. Right. Yeah. Right. So you already have that person yep. in, in grooming. I have Rob, who's my director of consulting. I'm grooming him as my COO. Yep. And it's because he's going to help me manage certain management and operations and basically director level capacities of things that allow me to say, okay, focus more on the vision, focus more on the mentoring, focus more on the outward education, the development, the empowerment, the motivation, the inspiration, the things that I thrive at. Yeah. And I need a right hand that's able to catch it, field it, organize it, deliver it. Yeah. And so as I've developed and and that's where I was probably stuck for a year and a half in a phase where I was trying to do both and I didn't trust enough and I didn't know how to delegate and I was unsure of myself as that front facing person. Yeah. And I finally made the decision to own what I think I'm good at. Because what else are we doing this for? Yeah. How else am I going to help millions of people? Right. Yep. And for me, like I started the podcast before I started the business. And my big thing on the podcast was I love learning. So I was reading a lot and I was taking in all this knowledge of, but it was, I couldn't apply a lot of it. You know, like it was kind of just knowledge. It wasn't action. It. it wasn't execution. So opening a business was really an outlet for me to be able to say, okay, now let's apply some of the learning and then keep learning, right? And yeah. for me, over the last three months, I've learned more than I've, well, I, we've been open for three, whatever. 
it's been like a year now in the making of this business. Yeah. And I've learned more in this time frame than I've ever learned. And it's a measure of true performance, right? Because every year I would sit down at a performance review or I would give a performance review in corporate America and I was, you know, meeting or exceeding expectations. So it had me thinking like I was worth this money that I was making, right? Yeah. And I'd have people come to me and say like, I deserve more, I, I'm worth more money. And you know, sometimes they were, and, and sometimes it was kind of a hard like ego knock to say, well, you're not, you know, you're not. But the the reality for me, I, since I've left corporate America, is you want to know how valuable you are, go on your own, <laughs> try yep. to figure out because my measure of performance now is not like, hey, you know, you did a really good talk and you built this great PowerPoint and yeah, we're paying you this great salary. It's like yeah. you need to fill the gym. Like yep. if people are not coming, you're going out of business. That's your true measure of performance. So I started out, you know, bad in a lot of different areas and I, you know, have to zoom in on them constantly. And the tough part about being an entrepreneur is you have, I tell people all the time, it's really important to have mentors and coaches and people that you can look up to, but I don't have anyone at the end of the day that's telling me you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this yeah. because I have to come up with that all on my own. Yeah. You know, your I have clients to, are their con- clients are right. your boss. Yeah, exactly. That's it. You don't have someone that's holding you accountable other than the clients and the people that you are trying to impact. Yeah. But for me, I've always had that, and I think back of that, and I'm like, okay, go back to the time where someone was watching you all the time, and that's what keeps me driving. For you, like that's what's really inspiring is that. From the time you've come out of college, you kind of started your own company and you've grown it to this point. So the accountability that you have for yourself is crazy that you can. So I want to talk about that for a second. Where are you at now? You have six locations, right? Yeah, six locations. And then you wrote a book. Talk about the book real quick. Yeah, because... so Marathon Ready Runner's Guide. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's meant to be a quick reference tool for sports nutrition. So it gives people kind of a breakdown of you know, pre-workout, intra-workout, post-workout, supplement usage, carbohydrate needs, modified carb loading, fat needs, ketogenic eating. Yeah. It goes through all of it. And then there's a bunch of recipes. I think it's important because I have a lot of people, members, that they're either trying to run their first 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, or they're trying to get back into running those yeah. because it's been five years since they ran a 5K and they want to see if they can do it again. And what they'll do is they'll start training from a running perspective, but they're not training from a nutrition perspective. And I yeah. think the book is really important for that, right? That yep. you can, it can help yeah, with those. And it's on Kindle. It's like $4 on yeah. the Kindle. And then you can buy, I think on Amazon, it's like 12 bucks for a hard copy. Yeah, the hard copy um, of the book. Awesome. Yeah. And so it's, and, I mean, you know, to be fair, going back to what you, know, what you kind of alluded to with it, you know, from, a, from an outside perspective looking in, it would seem like I've always been motivated, you know, but to be fair, I was very fortunate that I experienced what you described at a very young age. Um, and that was, and I'll make this a quick story that kind of, you know, you know, like, you know, takes off essentially, but I worked a ton in high school in the summers. I worked 70 hours a week to save up money. I'm not exaggerating when I say that I worked at a hospital. Uh, I was a dietary aide, So I actually delivered patient trays and I worked six to seven days a week and I would work eight hour shifts. And then two days a week, I'd work 12 hour shifts when people went on vacation. And then in the evenings or afternoons when I didn't have cross country, I also would do, um, I, I had a Basically, my, my stepmom worked for a uh, company that did like uh, house remodeling and that kind of thing. And I would go and do remodeling and landscaping and all that kind Why of stuff. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? To work save up so money much? for college so that I could yeah. go to college. So that was your big driver. You wanted to that go was, to college. So that's where it started was my, you know, I needed to save up money. I needed to go to college. Um, you know, my dad definitely drove me to do so. Um, but anyway, so I worked a bunch. 
And then in college, I got into nutrition. I was always really into nutrition all through high school into, well, not all through high school, end of high school into college, but started working. And then really the big thing for me is I started, I did an internship my junior year of college and I did it in the food service industry and I did it for a company. And this like intensely energetic ADD hyperactive individual that I am went into a business and I worked really fast and really furious and I surprised them with what an intern could do. I ended up being in an internship position where there were 75 interns in the company, but I was the only one on the top floor of the building. I was a five second walk from the seat, the co-CEOs of the business. My mentor was the vice president of the company and they all started to do projects with me and use me for things. Tell me I was intelligent. Tell me I was a born leader. Tell me I was, and when I finished my internship, I did that summer, the next summer, And that following summer, they basically sat down with me and said, we see you being a future leader here. We see you coming on board. We want to bring you in out of school. We want to fast track you to management. And we could see you in the mid-20s managing. And then by the time you're 30, we could see you being like a director or leading things. We see you being a future leader of this business. And so I had this really profound confidence boost and ego stroke. It's huge at age 20 and 21. And so what happened is I then had this realization of, if I'm such a leader, why am I going to sell myself for 20 or $25 an hour to a bunch of people making 18 and $20 million a year? Why wouldn't I throw myself out there at a young age and try and at least double that hourly rate right. that I'm that I'm guaranteed, quote unquote. Yeah. And so I was very fortunate and there were, I was very privileged really to have that experience, but then also have that wake up call of, okay. So when I went back to get my master's, I started doing counseling just to see if I could make, you know, make a difference, make an impact, help people, but also if I could start to do my own thing. And from that point forward, I read a book called The Personal MBA by, I think it's David Kaufman? No, Josh Kaufman, Personal MBA, regardless of the author. Um, And that book instilled a lot of the business ideas in me. But since then, I've called my business my personal MBA. And over the last six years, it's gone from me being a workaholic do-it-yourselfer that didn't know how to delegate and through reading and education and self-development and personal development and professional ambition, it's led to me learning to delegate. And then as a result, learning to inspire and motivate and manage and and then learning to share my vision and then learning to extrapolate my vision. And so you've watched the personal MBA go from being someone just like you have, right? You start learning and it grows. Six years later, the business is now six locations. We have corporate wellness contracts. I have a franchise model. We've got mobile apps and we've got books and we have a podcast and we have lots of content and we have great engagement and we have a passionate team and we just started a meal prep company. And the key is I'm not doing all of the legwork behind the scenes on all of those things because I obviously couldn't, but I've developed a vision and I've developed a team that is all working on that. And so that's when they talk about how business is compounding. That's all you're seeing is you're seeing the compound effect of five or six years. And when I look forward, I'm seeing the projections of the business growth in how many people we're seeing, how many lives we're impacting grow exponentially now too, yeah. which is the entire reason to take on the challenge. Yeah. But it's I'm the, I'm learning every day and I hope that 
as my business grows, I can start to learn how to leverage. And right now we're doing a lot of fundraising, but I eventually want to be able to have nonprofits. Right. And I want to, you know, there's so much business to learn and grow. The bigger the business gets, the bigger the impact, which means the bigger your responsibility is to society and to the people that you try and help. Right. And so I've got a lot of growth coming ahead of me that I'm, I, I hope that I can be successful enough and enough of a leader to get to. Yeah, for sure. Oh, there's so much that I want to dive into there. You and I could spend three hours talking <laughs> right. about that. Yeah, we're gonna have. Uh, or my members are coming in for a class. They're gonna be banging on the glass soon. So I'm gonna I'm gonna summarize a little bit, but I want to get to. I definitely want to talk about the meal prep service okay. very quickly. But I think a couple of things you said there. One, confidence is huge. When I got under like working with people, working under direction of people that really believed in me, yeah. it was huge. So I tell people all the time, like. If you are surrounded by negativity or you don't have people to build you up, get away from them. Yep. Like you don't technically have to leave them, but find people that will believe in you and that will give you confidence. And you got to work hard, right? There's, you know, you don't want to just be the doing nothing and expect like the world to praise you, but you definitely yep. want people that are going to build you up. I think big thinking is huge. It sounds like you have such a incredible vision. And if you don't have that, you'll never get there. So like I'm reading Napoleon Hill right now, yeah. Think and Grow Rich. Yep. Um, I read The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. David Schwartz. I recommend that a lot. It's a good book. And there's a lot of power in thinking big. And you're the type of person that just has this huge mindset. And then there's the who, not the how necessarily. So you don't know how – you don't need to know how to do everything. You just need to know – that you're finding the right people and building the right relationships and mentoring the right people to be a part of your organization that can then do those things and then that helps to have the compounding exactly. effect, right? And be willing to learn and adapt along the way. You don't ever write your vision in pen. Right, yeah. It's, that's <laughs> that's it. not, I love that, yeah. That's not how that works. Yeah, yeah. It's going to change. And, but, um, and to be fair, for those people that aren't you know aspiring to start their own business, this motivation all goes directly into lifestyle change. Oh, everything, yeah. Right? And that's, you know, to be fair, writing the weight loss goal in pen is distracting you from your true vision, exactly, which is yeah. your health. Right. And, you know, and so we want to think about that is whether you're someone who's trying to start a business and looking for motivation or whether you're someone that's trying to chase a personal wellness ambition or a personal goal yeah. like body change or improving your health or feeling like you're more in tune or in control of who you are. Right. You don't write that in pen. You write that in pencil. You seek to surround yourself with good people like trainers that care and actually have your best interest in mind, dietitians that can help you navigate the BS that is right. diet culture, right? You surround yourself with people that can help you navigate that world, feel confidence in that world, and then you allow your vision to unfold. And 100 people walk through this door. Some of them are going to walk out six weeks later with muscle up and the scale up, but feeling the healthiest they've ever felt. Right. Some are going to walk out and they're going to be a little bit lighter because of how their body changed. Some are going to be less inflamed. You're going to get different results, but all of them are the same concept of self-betterment. Yep, so exactly, if yep. you walk into a health and wellness journey with the goal of self-betterment, that's going to be where things change. And to be fair, the only reason the scale is even included in this conversation is because 30, 40, 50 years ago, the easiest way for a doctor to tell somebody that their lifestyle habits were out was you need to lose weight. Yeah. But that was also before gyms existed. Right. Before, you know, We didn't have people doing athlete style fitness, which is what this is, right? Yep. Train like an athlete, right? In the 50s when weight loss was being prescribed, it was a bunch of like housewives that weren't physically active that were just cutting their portions in half to get smaller. Right. That thin ideal, was that them actually being healthier? 
No, not at all. And so we have a more whole and wholesome and full-bodied view of what health is now. It's fitness, it's empowerment, it's self-motivation. That doesn't come from the scale. That comes from you eating well, moving well, challenging yourself, and identifying the obstacles along the way and seeking to better understand and then, as you've done, act. Yeah. So I don't care if it's business or fit or your personal goals. All of this is relevant. Amen. <laughs> I wish you could just stand at the door and tell people that as they're coming in. Self-embetterment. Self- well, that's when we kind of like, we're projecting that as well, right? Just oh, improve absolutely. yourself. So we only have a couple minutes before we literally get people breaking in the door. <laughs> yep. um, case-specific meal prep. I am in love with it. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. It's yes. fresh made food. So you have food that's designed by dietitians. You guys are designing the meals yep. to be that perfect balance, carb, fat, yep. protein. Yeah. And then you partner with Vince and Isaac. Vince is the CEO running meal prep, right? Is he the CEO? He's the CEO. So, yeah, so technically. So Vince yeah. and I both own the business. We're co-owners okay, yeah. of the business. Vince is the acting you know, manager right. or leader operations, of the business, yeah. operations guy. Um, we don't have a CEO, COO titles right. or anything. Yeah. But, yes, I'm definitely um, – I'm sort of what you'd call maybe like the the director or the the board yeah. member that's behind the scenes. But yeah. uh, Isaac is a someone that I've known for a long time. Chef. He's a chef. He has yeah. a nutrition background. He's really passionate about delicious and nutritious. Yeah. Um, so I introduced Isaac to Vince. The three of us started collaborating. Vince wanted to start a meal prep company. I wanted to start one. The brand, the vision, the view, all of it's there. Um, and so we, the three of us started partnering together months back, developed a bunch of recipes, trialed, started organizing, did a base with some key clients and uh, our team and now we are up and running we are delivering meals we accept orders on our case-specific meal prep Shopify uh, starting on Sundays people can order through Thursday at noon we shut it down we basically shop on Thursday Friday prep on Saturday Sunday deliver Sunday Monday Um, we have right now I think there's actually like 20 menu options that we've worked through but we've been cycling through about 12 of them right now introducing some new ones, sampling them. Uh, but they're all very consistent nutritionally. They taste, as you've seen, delicious. It's we all have, I eat. You add your- it's Literally yeah, all I eat now. I love that. <laughs> and you pick your protein. So there's you know a bunch of different bases. Some are simple like rice and veggies. Some are like chickpeas and some are lentils um, or potatoes. And then you pick your protein, whether it's chicken, pork, beef, or tofu, or just a, you know, a no protein option. Um, so we're really trying to put case specific in, in the meal prep and meal. And it's super aspect. affordable. That's another thing. And so you're getting, you're getting meals designed by dietitians, properly balanced. You're getting the foods all locally, well, not locally. I keep saying that, but like freshly sourced, the chef is making them fresh yep. and then they're being delivered to your doorstep. If you live in Allegheny County, they're being delivered. And otherwise you have hubs that are set up that people can go pick up on a Sunday or a Monday and they're good to go. We're definitely bringing a ton of them in here. Um, I can't wait. I got my cooler being delivered. Yes. So they put all the food in. Coming um, soon to a, it, to a sweat bar near yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Anyway, I got to end it. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much. It's been a pro- Always pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yeah, Good to see yeah, you, man. It's been awesome. Thanks for coming to visit. I know you're a busy guy. So appreciate Never too so busy much, for man. this kind of stuff. Yeah. This is one of my favorite things to do. Awesome. So. Awesome, man. All right. We'll wrap it up. Thanks, Andrew.